We're going to read some scripture together from Acts chapter 2. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn it to the book of Acts chapter 2. We're going to be kind of playing around in Acts for most of today. This one's a little bit longer, but it's a pretty awesome chapter. So we're going to be reading most of it. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 14. Just for context, as you are finding that, Jesus has died, Jesus has risen, the Holy Spirit now has come on the disciples, and this is what happens after that. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on, the, on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep a hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you with confidence that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet, and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his ascendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what we now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. That means the promise is for us here today as well. 
for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Let me pray once more. Father God, may we be cut to the heart by your word and your truth. May your spirit, who is here right now, move us to you. Loosen my tongue and allow me to use your words, Lord. Anything that's not from me, go right over our heads. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dying. The doctor looks you in the eye, and the words he says to you fill you with fear. You're dying. You probably only have a couple weeks left to live. You knew you hadn't been feeling well, but you thought it was just one of those sicknesses that will go away. And as those words sift over you, you are filled with questions. What, what do you mean I'm dying? I thought I was fine. I have this illness? Nobody ever told me that I had this illness. What, wh- when did you find out? The doctor looks at your file, goes back a few pages and says, Well, we've known for four years. In fact, four years ago, this was treatable. But nobody wanted to make you feel uncomfortable. Nobody wanted to make you feel awkward. Nobody wanted to have that conversation with you. And so I guess that's where we are now. Think for a second about what you're thinking about that doctor right now. Those nurses. And let me ask you, is this not how we sometimes feel about telling someone about Jesus? I know it's important. I know it can change their life. But I don't want to say it because it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be awkward. They might be embarrassed. I might be embarrassed. I'm just going to let it go. Hope someone else tells them. It's interesting. The disciples, Jesus' closest followers, had been with him for three years. Had been with him for three years. They had seen him do miracles. They had seen him heal people. They had seen him walk on water. They had heard his teaching time and time again. A teaching of grace and of love. And all throughout those three years, Jesus kept saying to them, now just so you know, we're doing this because I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to die, but don't worry because I will rise again in three days. It's incredible how often he tells the disciples what's going to happen. And then he dies. He's crucified and the disciples scatter. And what is absolutely incredible about this is that the disciples scatter. They hide. They don't go around preaching boldly saying, Jesus said he would die, but don't worry. Just wait. He's coming back. 
He's coming back. This is going to be the biggest miracle of all. He's going to rise from the dead. They didn't do that. This is what we see in John 20, verse 19. On the evening on that first day of the week, the day that he had told them what was going to happen, when the disciples were together, listen, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. They were hiding. They had locked the door because they were so afraid that they would be next. These were not bold men. These were frightened, fearful, intimidated men. But I need to tell you, I understand them. I understand the emotions that they're going through right now. Because when I think about the times that I have not shared Jesus with someone, the times where I was all set up and someone was all ready and I didn't, it all boils down to fear. It all boils down to fear. Fear that I don't know enough. Fear that I'll be embarrassed. Or they'll be embarrassed. Fear that I'll do it wrong. Fear that they'll say no. Fear that somehow I will make them more put off than they already are. Are those some of the things that come, go through your mind? Because they definitely are things that go through my mind. And yes, like I'm the pastor, right? And you would think, but Brian, don't you just wake up and like you like float out of the bathroom and you just like hover over your Bible and everything's just so holy and wonderful? No, I still have these fears. And I constantly think to myself, well, what if I mess this up? Come on, Brian, this is your job. You should be good at this and you're not. I hide behind locked doors, just like the disciples. And yet Jesus comes to them, stands among them, and he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And in that one moment, in the blink of an eye, the disciples go from selfish to selfless. They go from timid to bold. And they start preaching. I just read to you one of, the, one of the things that Peter starts to say before thousands of people. And so many come to know Jesus. If you still have your Bible in front of you, if you just turn that to, I think, chapter 3, we see a healing. Peter and John are around, and there was this, this man who needed healing, and they heal him in the power and name of Jesus. And they get in trouble for it. They get in trouble for it. There's this guy named Annas. Isn't that a horrible name? Like, think about his elementary school days. He must have been made fun of so much. Oh, we won't go into them here, but if you want to tell Annas jokes downstairs, you're welcome to. He was a high priest. And he had Peter and John arrested. And he questions them. He says, by what power and in whose name have you done this? Remember, this is Peter and John who were hiding a couple of days before. 
who were fearful of the Jewish leaders, who were afraid for their lives. And now they're in front of them. And Peter doesn't hide, he doesn't deny. This is what he says. Acts 4, starting in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called into account for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. That's bold. You're in front of people who can kill you, who can stone you to death, and that's what you say. That is bold. But they were bold because they spoke boldly what they believe deeply. And we do the same thing. We speak boldly what we believe deeply. Now here's the problem, at least with me. So many of the things that I speak boldly about really don't matter. I had this this awesome meal up in Port Elgin. There's this amazing restaurant. Oh, man, I just want to tell you all about it because it was just so fantastic. If you haven't experienced it, man, you need to go and experience this restaurant because it was just incredible. My wife tried this new fabric softener. Man, like my shirt feels like a clean baby's bottom. It's incredible. I got these new shoes, and I just feel like I'm walking on cloud. They are amazing. You've got to go and get a pair of shoes like this. I just binge-watched this whole season on Netflix. It was an incredible TV show. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it right now. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. But so much of what we talk about isn't really worth believing deeply. They're interesting, but it's certainly not Jesus. We speak boldly what we believe deeply. Listen to what Peter continues to say. Verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Bold. And the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They were amazed. These men are bold before me. Most people grovel. Most people want to know what is the right answer so I can say it so I can get out of here. These men were bold. They spoke boldly. How are these men bold? They say it here. How are they bold? For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Let me ask you a question. How bold are you for Christ? On a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is people are completely unmoved by your boldness, and 10 are people are amazed and astonished by how bold you are for Christ, where would you be on the scale? Don't give yourself a 10. Only Jesus is a 10. You're not Jesus. Okay? Where are you on that scale? Let me help you with that a little bit. If you think that you're like a 7 or 8, 
you're probably not here alone. You've probably been inviting people a lot to church to check out this Jesus thing. You've probably been talking to your coworkers a lot about your relationship with Jesus. You've been praying for the people in your life, the other students in your life, the other coworkers in your life, the milkman, the person who begs your groceries. You've been praying for them because you're bold for Christ. If you're like a two or a three, chances are you have coworkers who have no idea what you believe. No idea that you're a follower of Christ. They would be astonished to know that you're here on a Sunday morning. Where are you in that scale? I want to say that probably most of us do not score high. And so if you are kind of in that lower range... How do we grow in boldness? How do we grow in our boldness to share Christ with others? I want to give you three, three ideas. Number one, spend more time with Jesus. Spend more time with Jesus. Remember what we just read? They were amazed by these disciples' boldness, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training, they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. They were people who knew Jesus, who had spent time with Jesus. And because of their confidence in who Jesus was, by the power of that Holy Spirit, they could speak boldly. Let me ask you a question. Who is God using here? Ordinary people, regular people, unschooled people. These were fishermen and tax collectors. These were not the Bible scholars of the day. They hadn't gone to seminary. They were the stay-at-home moms, the mechanics, carpenters, the teachers, the nurses, the farmers, ordinary men and women. But let me tell you something. Who did God not use? In my experience, God doesn't use people who skip their quiet times, who are spiritually distracted, who are consumed with the things of the world, who are spiritually apathetic. The people who have no time for God, God loves deeply. But very rarely does he choose to use them. Take time with Jesus. Get to know Jesus. I was talking to someone this week who just gave her life back to the Lord. Amazing, amazing. And as we were talking, I put my pastor hat on and I said, okay, I want to really encourage you to get to know Jesus. You have a Bible? Great. Okay. Read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, because those are the biographies of Jesus. Don't get bogged down in something in the Old Testament yet. Focus on Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, because those are where we hear the heart of God. Jesus is the one who shows us the heart of God. 
And once we understand the heart of God, then we can read the rest of the Bible through the lens of Jesus. Get to know Jesus. Number two, ask God to make you bold. This isn't rocket scientists, is it? Get to know Jesus, spend time with him, and ask God to make you bold. Again, we see this in Peter and John. They're before the council. They share, we're here because of Jesus. We believe in Jesus. He died and rose again, and we are preaching Jesus. The council said, don't do that. We don't want you to talk about Jesus. And the men said, we can't. We can't shut up. We can't be quiet. Jesus is why we live. And so the council threatened them some more and then kicked them out. And do you know what happened? These men go into a prayer time. What do they pray for? They don't pray for safety. They don't pray not to go to prison. What do they pray for? And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, what? Great boldness in preaching your word. I read this, and my response is, that's what you're praying for? You're already way more bold than I am. And you're asking for more boldness? It's incredible. These are men who are going to be thrown into prison. These are men who are going to be stoned. These are men who are going to die for Jesus. What do they ask for? God, make us bold. Give us more boldness than we have. It's a powerful, powerful prayer. But it's a prayer that God answers because he wants to use ordinary men, ordinary women, who are bold for him. Number three, tell your story. I want to be really clear on this. You do not need to know all the answers. Go like this. You do not need to know all the answers. You don't need to know how to explain the Trinity with a piece of cheese and a marble. You don't need to know why God creates, why they're suffering in the world. You don't need to understand all of the theological intricacies of salvation. But you have a story. And you can share your story. I need to tell you, there are some people in our culture today who want to know answers. And they're great people. And those are great conversations. And if you don't know the answers, then you can talk to someone who might know some answers or might be able to give you some some resources. There are some good resources that, that help some of those answers. But most of the people in our world today just want to know, why are you so different? Why are you so weird? Why do you have peace when I know that you're going through an atrocious time? Why do you have hope when your loved one is on their deathbed? Why do you act so different than me? Know your story. Tell them, what has Jesus done in your life? What is Jesus doing in your life? 
It's an amazing thing. It's a story that nobody else can deny. They may think you're crazy, but they can't say, well, that's wrong. Because that's what God is doing in your life. Spend time with Jesus. Ask God to make you bold and tell your story. I want you to think for a second about the person who told you about Jesus. For some of you, that might be a parent, a Sunday school teacher. It might be your spouse. It might be a friend or a coworker. Who first told you about Jesus? And I know for some of you, there's lots of people in your life who have told you about Jesus and who have, have led you into that place. I want you to think about some of those people. Put their face before you. For me, I was in grade nine, and it was a youth pastor named Drew who first told me about Jesus. I was thinking about this this week. What would my life look like now if Drew had said, Brian, I know you need Jesus, but it's going to be an awkward conversation. I might get it wrong. I might offend you. I might not say the right words. And so I'm just going to, I'm just going to leave it at that. You're okay and I'm okay. Let's just go with that, right? I shudder to think what my life would look like now. If he had said, I'll just let someone else. And so we often have this, this fear in our minds that where we say, what if I tell them about Jesus and it offends them? What if I tell them about Jesus and they say no? What if I tell them about Jesus and it embarrasses me? Well, let me ask you a question. What if you don't? What if you don't? Now, I need to tell you, I'm not a fire and brimstone preacher. But I want to tell you that there are spiritual consequences. There are spiritual consequences to the decisions that we make. And there's going to be a day that I stand before God. And he's going to look at the list of all the junk that I've done in my life. And when I'm before that list, I'm going to want to just crawl up into a ball and die. It's a long list, folks. I have hurt myself. I've hurt other people. And then God's going to look at me and say, the consequences of all these sins has been dealt with by my son Jesus because you have claimed him as your Lord, as your Savior, that you have taken his grace that he has offered you. And that is what I see. Come and enter my joy, my son. And there's going to be someone behind me. Their list is going to be a lot smaller, I'm sure. But after they go through that list, God's going to look at them and say, the cost is still here. You have chosen to do your life on your own, for you to be in control, for you to call the shots in your life. You did not accept my son's grace and forgiveness. And so the payment is still expected in full. 
you didn't want me in your life, and so you are separated from me for eternity. I need to tell you, however you cut that, that's not good, folks. That's not good. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I can't fathom what it will mean for him to say, enter my joy, my son. What I can think about there is just pales in comparison. And so I want to tell you right now, it is so important that we share Jesus. And you might say, but Brian, it's personal, it's private. Our faith was never meant to be private. It was never meant to be kept to ourselves. And there are people in your life right now who desperately, desperately need to know Jesus. I want to say this. I've been praying about this this week. I think that there might be people here today, maybe people watching online, who've never given their life to Jesus. You've been living your life with you in charge It's not working. Because it was never meant to. And right now, at this very moment, the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart right now. Saying, that's you. It's not working for you to be in charge. You need God's grace, and you need God's forgiveness, and you need God's love. And you've never taking them up on that offer. And I want to tell you right now that today, right now, is the best time. It's the best time to say, okay, God, I need you. I know that I need you. I don't want to take another minute, another day without you. And we're going to give you an opportunity to claim Jesus today. But before we do that, I want to say there's some other people here as well. And you're someone that maybe even grew up going to church. It might have been this church, it may have been another church. But you've grown up going to church. Maybe at some point you said a prayer, you asked Jesus into your heart, but you certainly are not living with him as Lord Sometime in the past, you've taken over the reins of your life. Sure, you still come here on Sunday mornings. You still sing the songs. But Jesus is not Lord. And if that's you today, I want to tell you, there's no better day to come back to him, to recenter your life on him, to put him back in the throne and him back in control. So we're going to give you an opportunity. We're going to give you an opportunity. Because I know that the Holy Spirit right now, right now, is working on your heart. And there's another voice that's working on your heart too. There's another voice that's working on your heart going, but Brian, everybody else here thinks, and this person's going to think, it's not about them. 
It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. Now, here's what we're going to do. I, I usually would just ask you to close your eyes, to pray in your hearts. But we're not going to do that today. Because today, I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling us to be bold. And I feel like the Holy Spirit has been telling me this week that there are people who just need a kick in their butt. Because when we just close our eyes and when we just bow our heads, that we can just go, you know what, I'll do that next time. But there's no better time to say, Jesus, I need you. I need you now. I need you back in my heart. I need you back as the center of my life. I need you now. For the first time, for the 15th time, I don't care. But I need you now. If that's you today, I want you to just head up, eyes forward, just to put up your hand and say, God, yeah, that is me. I need you. You're not Lord of my life, and I need you. I want you back in the center. I want you back in control. Because the way that I've been living my life isn't working. If the Holy Spirit is working on you right now, if you're thinking, yeah, but no, but yeah, don't worry about the people around you. I need you now. Hands up. One, two, three. Hands up. I need you now. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Everybody, just stand up, please. Everybody, just stand up, please. We're just going to all pray together. We're going to pray out loud together. Again, everybody, just put your hands up as an act of surrender to God. And say after me, God, I need you. I need you in my life right now. Please forgive me for the hurt that I have caused you, others, and myself. Cleanse me and I will be clean. By faith, I receive your forgiveness. By faith, I receive your grace. I choose to turn away from my self-centered way of life. I choose to turn my life over to you as my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Whether you prayed that prayer for the first time, whether you prayed that prayer for the 15th, 30th time, I don't know doesn't matter to me. But I need to tell you something right now, in this very moment. There is a party going on in heaven. The angels are going crazy because there are some people who have given their life to the Lord for the very first time. Praise God. And there are some of you who have come back to Him after years. There are some of you who have come back to Him just after a day or two. Amen.